I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. What up everyone? C-minus here representing Fantastic Four, Be Real TV, and Motown on Mondays. And I'm chilling here with my really cool friend, Josh Levine, Rebel Radio. I hope you, uh, whatever. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture and the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and uh, before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a special shout out to everybody that joined us for the first ever Amp Music Summit. It was last week online. Um, for anybody not familiar, we have an episode uh, in our archives talking about it, and basically two friends, Simon Lamb and Seth Combs, uh, and I came together inspired by all of the uh, all of the stories of innovation and experimentation that we were hearing in the face of everything that's going on right now with COVID, especially in the music industry and all the cancellations, postponements, all that stuff. Um, so we did our best to find people inside and outside of music who are trying new things, they're learning, they are pivoting, they're doing whatever it takes to move things forward. Um, it was a great, great event, uh, long day, 19 talks, over 40 speakers. Um, if you missed it, all of that, it will be available shortly on our website, www.ampmusicsummit.com. You can sign up there for updates on future events, if there are any. We're uh, figuring that out right now, so that's all TBD, but you'll be able to watch all the talks and download some takeaways and uh, really great stuff. So now let's get into this week's episode. Uh, my guest today is my man, DJ C Minus. I love this dude. He is um, he's an incredible DJ. He's an understated guy. He he truly lets his hands do the talking. Uh, if you're not familiar with C minus, he was a DJ for many years 
on uh, Power 106 here in LA. He's a, a member of the Almighty Roughnecks with Mr. Chalk, uh, member of the Fantastic Four, and he's part of the Motown on Monday crew. He is a host on Be Real TV, co-host with Be Real of the Dr. Green Thumb Show, and he's got his own show called High Fidelity. And um, we talk about it in our interview. But he was one of the first. He was he was the first person to put me up on what was happening in the mid '90s with rap and rock coming together. Uh, he ended up being the touring DJ for Corn and the Foo Fighters, and was deeply influential in the emergence of of, uh, of rock and hip hop as a thing. And um, he's got some great stories about that in our interview, as well as um, just some great lessons about leading with creativity and so i'm excited to share that with you here right after our edm.com track of the week was still haze with down in the vespa the edm.com track of the week if you like that one get over to edm.com and check out more new music and right now let's get into our interview with c minus do you remember i mean i was just talking to someone about the raves you remember like yeah. the rave scene? yeah like, the map map points the map and all that shit. shit like people like i was trying to tell people like you don't understand what it was like pre-internet right you know, and even no, you know, pagers maybe, but it was like cell phones. But yeah. you would find out to, to go to one spot to get the directions, which would take you to get directions right. to the next spot. Yep. And then depending how far or whatever, like you would either get the directions to the real party there or you'd have to go to another spot to get which, the real directions. Which, you know, I think the story, like the, if you ask people why that was, it was because it was illegal and they're trying to avoid the cops. But the cops could have just done this. They could have yeah. gone to the map spot like everybody. It's not that was not a very sophisticated system. It's true. It's true. I mean, and uh, just man, all the shit that like, yeah, we would like. You would go to the party. You know, you would go get all the different directions, and then when you got to the party, it's, did you ever go to the Moon Tribe parties? Yeah, sure. I did yeah. a couple of those. Oh, did you? Nice. <laughs> Back when I was hanging with the Galaxy Gallery dudes for a while. That's funny. Yeah, man. I so you know I I don't miss that, but I but I do miss the, like what, what you're talking about where the knowing you're going to a good party to hear yeah. a good DJ and see some good friends and you would see the same drinks. you know same group of people yeah. regularly and that, you know you felt a, a, a kinship there yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. That was yeah. the move. That was I think that was what I think was so strong about our scene is that a lot of us so how much is that still like i know you you do stuff like do over and motown mondays mm -hmm. and like to me that's the that's the newer generation of the same 
same yeah. kind of thing we're talking about. Yeah. But how much? How much is that the same or or different? It's different. Uh, I've seen the do over change since its inception. Yeah. Um, and when the cell phone came into existence to where it was a thing where right. people, I saw people go from dancing mm -hmm. to just like on the dance floor checking right. their phone. Yeah. And, um, and with Motown on Monday, it's kind of the same, it's kind of that same feeling of the parties back in the day, mm -hmm. except it's no one you know, because a lot of these kids right. are getting turned on to Motown. Yeah. And it's it's a newer music for them, and they love it, and they love the soul of it, and they love yeah. the, you know you know yeah. the eras of it. So it's cool to like see that excitement from people when you play a song and you play a re-edit or something, and they're just fucking going crazy, and you're like, holy shit, that's cool. I don't, but, you know, it's it's different because back in those days when we played parties back then, we would know a p majority of people in audience or in right. the crowd sure and now it's like in it's still that atmosphere but i don't know anyone that's interesting you know what i mean it's yeah. like but I, I mean there's regulars that have been coming i've been right, doing right. that party for seven six seven years now yeah and there's we have regulars and i love every single one of our regulars yeah. and but there's it's, it's interesting to see the new people come in and right. you know you see them come in for the first time and then they're become a regular after you know sure. so long but sure. it's it's it is cool in that sense to like, but yeah, that's, it's sort of similar, but not uh -huh. a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, man, I appreciate you coming to do dude, this. Thank you for having, dude, it's so funny when I seen you right now and we like, I was just like, holy shit. It just, and I've been talking to, um, I was like, man, I'm going to go do Josh's podcast. And every, you know, we just, oh, Herb Magazine, you know, you just yeah, remember yeah. like all the like, funny. damn, dude, the history is long with you, bro. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you, you've had a, a fascinating journey that I, that I want to talk about. I remember um, the first, I, I actually can still picture the first time we met in the Loud Records office. I think oh, wow, yeah. you and Chuck drove down from Bakersfield mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, I was there or whatever. And, and then seeing you, you know, go through all of your phases. And, yeah, uh, man. And, it's a trip. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Um, well, let's get into it. I, on a... Um, I want to kind of start at the beginning. Let's do it. Um, do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yes, Don't Go. 45, that was the record that I was first allowed to buy with my money that I received from an allowance. Yeah. And uh, I bought it thinking it was Situation, but it was uh -huh. Don't Go. So, um, that's it. But I still ended up loving that yeah, song. Yeah, you know? it's a great record. Yeah. A little bit of a letdown if you're expecting situation. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but kind no, of. No, it's, it's a good, it's a good record. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, oh, I want this, and I remember seeing, you know, the upstairs at Eric uh, uh, album cover, and then the the cover for the Don't Go was that. So my automatic assumption was like, that's it. Yeah. And I took it home, and I was like, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> and but I listened to it enough to go. This is, I like the sound. I don't know, you know, it's not the song I was looking for, but I yeah. really dig this sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what was the, 
So, so you're from Bakersfield. I'm from Bakersfield. You know, born you know, we've raised. had Chalk on the show. We've had Nick and Eric on the show. My brother. Bakersfield is well represented, <laughs> uh, not just on my show, but in in LA. <laughs> yeah, we uh, yeah, we've we we got some. We've done some things. So, what was the what was the music scene when you were growing up in up Baco? There? Yeah, Baco was like uh, day parted. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I remember only hearing rap music after 6 p.m. Yeah. Um, I remember only hearing hip hop music, you know, in the swap meets or like mm -hmm. local get together, but it wasn't on radio sure. till after 6 p.m. And that's when I first heard like The Message and uh, White Lines and uh, and then Sucker MCs or Run DMC. So, um, I don't know if it was the it's something that drew me to that music along with the funk that we grew up on which was like you know my mom always had Rick James, Earth Wind and Fire, James Brown, mm -hmm. uh, Main Ingredient. Um she always had War, War was big in my household. And so those are the records that like those along with all that funk of of an upbringing like hip-hop was a thing that kind of when i heard i was like oh shit yeah and it was kind of it was like a almost like a cool secret at first like sure. what is this you know and then you start asking your friends and then everyone gets you know like oh what is it you know what is this and then we all started like following it but it was very much a country town Baco was very much uh you know, Buck Owens is from there as well. Okay. So uh, he actually, at a time, controlled, um, he owned a television station and a radio station and held owning shares in some of the other stations, mm. too. So he kind of was like the man in town. Um, so it was very country, but also there was like a punk rock scene and there was also a hip hop scene. And, uh, but it was very much country, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was, sure. It was... Yeah. You know, think of Buck Owen and think of like yeah. him being the unofficial mayor. That's so funny. It's funny you mention all those records because, you know, I think the the rewritten history of hip hop is um you know, it's this it's very much kind of alongside punk rock. Yes. Which is true. Mm -hmm. And and you know, there's a lot of validity to that, but I think the you know, for me and and I think, you know, you know, for you like for for our generation, it was more of this evolution from funk. Yes. Right. And yes. and you know, and we know those of us who know the records, like you know the points where there's funk music and there's people singing, and then one day there's somebody rapping. Yeah. And there, and and that's just like, um, you know, and I I think we kind of overlook some of that. Yeah, um, I can see that. In terms of the the cultural impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just find that interesting. Like, you know, I grew up on those same records, those same, you know, artists. Yeah. And, and yeah, just all of a sudden someone was rapping one day. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know that it even hit me that much until like on the schoolyard. Same here. Like kids were just like Sugar Hill Gang and they're like, oh shit, okay. And did you, like for me, I like, I, uh, 
like when I heard Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight, it was amazing, but it didn't like it didn't knock me out like the message. Yeah, I mean, I, there was it a, was like a cool sure. song, you know what I mean? And right. like our parents kind of dug it, or like you know, and we heard it, and we were like, oh, this is cool. But something resonated me way harder with Sucker MCs or... or so I agree. And I think if you look at the evolution of hip-hop, like those two songs, The Message and Sucker MCs, like were pivotal points for yeah. sure. But at the same time, like Sugar Hill Gang, like Rapper's Delight is in some ways a perfect pop song. True. Right? Like it has a recognizable beat. Mm -hmm. It has the very first lyrics are shit that everybody in the world can repeat yes right and mm -hmm. so you know you can it's easy to look back and see why that became such a huge hit absolutely i would never take anything away from that song that song is a you know deserves its own shrine i mean like you said you know if, there's not one person that can't sing the first three or four lines of that right. song i remember in the whatever those movies were in the 90s where like there's like the old lady rapping that yeah. song, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and it, 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 you know, it makes sense. Yeah. So how did you get, were you into music as a kid? Did you, when, when did you start DJing? Um, started DJing, well, interested in DJing probably like around 11, 10 or 11. How'd you get on the turntables <laughs> at first? Um, my uncle used to be head of security and manager over at the Palladium in San Francisco. So he would bring me these, uh, he had these DJs that would spin there and he would always tape their sets on cassette and he would bring them to me. Yeah. So Storm and Norman from <coughs> the Bay, you're from the Bay, do you remember yeah, yeah. hearing that dude? I, I spent many nights in the Palladium. So. Um, Palladium was one of the clubs that uh, they would let underage kids in without really checking. <laughs> So, like, even before, you know, at the beginning, we had, like, shady IDs, and then some people didn't even have them, but you could still kind of get into the Palladium. Yeah, it was, uh, and so he would bring me all these mixes of, and I was starting to hear, like, he would, it would be, like, New Wave Night, and there would be Beat Night. Yeah. <clears throat> and Beat Night was, um, you know, they were playing, like, uh, more hip-hop, or yeah. more, like, you know, like. There's a lot of, like, breaking stuff, like, yeah. electro. Yeah. Like in the show, Dougie Fresh and yeah. Freaks Come Out at Night and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he would bring me those tapes and I would just like sit and listen to them and hear these songs blend from one to another. And I'd be like, wow, how is this even happening? You know? Yeah. And um, through a family friend, my mom um, knew that was a DJ in the city. <coughs> she, uh, she, you know, has to be, bring me by and... So I could check out the turntables. So I got to come by and I got to see how it worked, how mm -hmm. it, you know, how, and so I was immediately like hooked. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just knew I saw two turntables and I saw, you know, I've, we've always saw Jam Master Jay doing sure. his thing on stage, you know, but there was never like a camera where you could just see and like what he was doing or just, uh, so he was automatically the first rock god DJ superstar for me. Yeah. But seeing the you know how it all went and i was really 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 i just i just couldn't stop thinking about it i became yes yeah, i'm somewhat obsessed uh -huh. and you know as a kid i you know like there's that thing we wait 
for me, I thought it was going to be skateboarding because I was skating a mm -hmm. lot and I wanted to try to just keep going. But once, um, t you know, DJing came into the picture as a somewhat possible thing, uh, I just, all my energy and attention went to that. And I just was immediately just like, I need to know how this works. Yeah. I got, I have to know. Yeah. And so I started, uh, hanging out and then fresh cuts uh lloyd brown from who's my mentor who was my first dj mentor uh, i asked him hey can you show me mm. and he was like all right he's uh, i'm gonna show you but i'm not gonna sh he's i'm gonna show you by showing you what i do and then you have to pick it up okay he's like, i can't tell you what to do right but watch me and if you have any questions yeah i'll help you out yeah okay cool so um, I sat and watched him and I just saw, you know, the release. Like in the booth? Yeah, like in his bedroom. This yeah. Ray had his turn, you know, like she brought me over to his, you oh, know, okay, to cool. our, our family friend's house and he had his setup in his room. And I just sat and just sat on the corner of his bed and just, just intently, sure. you know what I mean? I had to figure out everything that this was. Yeah. And, um, and then he started letting me like get on and then, you know, it was, trying to learn the release of it and mm -hmm. then why is it going off beat how can i fix this you know what i mean and this you know like he was like it's all in the release and it's all in how much you pay attention to the record and it slips yeah. you know and everything may be you you may have two records exactly the same speed but you got to know how to keep them on right and so that always fucked with me you know in a good way like mm -hmm. it was the thing mm -hmm. i had to like figure out sure So at that same time, I was also like a dancer. So I used to love to go to jams and dance. And um, that's where I met Chalk and then Eric and Nick. Mm -hmm. And then seeing, and then also hearing, I knew Eric and Nick because they were the first people on radio in Bakersfield that did 13K club play. So they were like, Nick was my age on the radio playing, you know, like I remember it was the first time I heard this Prince song, Good Love, on the Bright Lights, Big City soundtrack. Mm. And I was like, ah, where the fuck did they get? Ah! And, uh, and so I paid attention every Friday and Saturday. I listened to them. And then when I find my mom finally let me go to a jam, I met them. And then we just connected. And then me and Chalk connected. And we found that we were both loved to dance, but we also were really liking DJing. Mm. And, uh, and then we just started practicing together. And then with the Baker Boys, and then all four of us would get together, you know, and practice till six, seven in the morning, mm -hmm. just constantly like playing each other these things, you know, oh, I came up with this blend. What is, you know, what do you guys think? Ah, it's whatever. And that's, it was trial by fire. Yeah. It was like, imagine setting up in front of three, you know, for me, it was three people that had way more ability to do what i wanted to do but i was sure. still trying to figure out the nuts and bolts so when i'd come you know it was it was probably like the best thing we could have possibly done because we just really would just play each other stuff mm. and just like blends and like how's this sound oh that's cool oh maybe start four bars before okay so it goes into this and like oh all right cool that was and that's how we used to just really get down and just like but there was we never counted bpms we never like we would always just make sure that it was in key right 
that didn't make us go, ah. Yeah. But yeah, that probably started like around like my first paid gig was 13 years old at my junior high school dance. Nice. I got paid 50 bucks. That's amazing. For two hours. And I thought that was. That's great. Ah! I was fucking ready to fucking. 13, that's amazing. Yeah, dude. I was ready to like, come on, everyone, we're going to eat. My treat. (laughs) (laughs) Denny's, let's go. That's great. Yeah. So that's how that's that's how it started uh, for me is hearing these these tapes from palladium yeah and then also here in other mix like there was other mix uh there was djs in the city coffee dog sparkle uh i'd see their names on all these flyers of all these jams but i was too young to go but i just always used to just like i used to just wonder like wow it's probably like if those are the parties you know right. and, I, and every time i seen these style of, fl- of posters or flyers i'd always just be like wow oh, that's it you know mm-hmm. that's got to be it mm-hmm. and um yeah, we just, uh, and then at, just being around all that kind of just made me want to just go full time into it. And then. Was there, was there a moment when you sort of realized like, yeah, this is my path? Uh, yeah, kind of. I it was one of those, um, I think when I graduated high school, um, most that's the time you should really be thinking about your future sure and where you're gonna go yeah of course um there was no plans for college for me i just knew i was gonna dj and mm-hmm. i was gonna go there i didn't have anything planned out which is normal for anybody out of high school or yeah. you know you don't have any but i just knew i had a job at miller's outpost okay i could buy money for my records for the weekends yeah. you know when i do my gigs yeah. and that's i just knew i was going forward yeah radio and all that stuff wasn't even in like a uh, like our DJing full time wasn't really a thing. No, outpost man, I used to get my five hundred ones. Hell yeah, I used to do the Levi Wall, bro. The five hundred, <laughs> like, like we used to set them up, um, you know, in sizes. And my my job at the end of the day was to put them back in the right order. That was the shit. Jesus. And then my other job, my other job before that in the ROTC program is I worked at Sam Goody's. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, and, <laughs> and you remember like. So you hooked up, you got your music, you got your fits. Yeah, I was just like, like, you know, I I didn't know what, like, I had no clue of what was to come. I just knew I wanted to keep going forward. And even more so when I became a dad at 18, like, um, I just knew that I had to keep pushing forward. Whatever, Like, just go. Yeah. And just wherever it takes, just go. Like, I didn't, it's kind of, it was like, blindly. Mm -hmm. But I just, it was, you know. I, I it just wanted to keep going, man. I didn't know anything else. Yeah. And then I th- I would probably, th- I, looking back in hindsight, that was probably the moment I knew it was like, I, I, I thought of nothing else. Right. I was just going to go forward and that was it. Yeah. So then, uh, so, you know, shortly after we met, you're, you're on Power 106, mm-hmm. Almighty Roughnecks, <laughs> you and Chuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so how does that change the game? Uh, okay, so when Eric and Nick were... In Baco, before they came to power, they were doing KKXX, which was the nighttime mm-hmm. show over there. And they had, uh, so they went from AM to FM and fucking blew it out the water and were doing really good in Bakersfield, which caught the attention of power yeah. over here. <laughs> so um, when they left, the Steve Wall, our first boss, was like, well, I want to put something else. When these guys left, I need to fill this void of what's going on. So... Yeah. Um, he took a chance on me and Chalk 
to come in and do it, you know? And uh, we gave it a shot. We just said, fuck it. And, nice. you know, and kept going. And then that's when we started to see that, oh, shit, we could we could be doing something like that mm -hmm. or even just for the city. And it was like, cool, because we were still doing, you know, gigs on the side and stuff. But it was like a chance to like, OK, this could. Uh... And me and Chalk were like, well, shit, you know, we work well together. Why don't we just, you know, form a thing mm -hmm. of be the, the almighty roughnecks and um and then that's when it became a thing and we were like okay teamwork yeah let's go i mean it's interesting and i talked to chaka about this a little bit that you know we think of djing as an individual sport right yeah and yet um you know we've seen that kind of cruise can be really important yes you know if it's Fantastic Four, if it's Beat Junkies, yep. Superman out of New York, right? Like, but yep. but yeah, when you're, you know, when you're up there, for the most part, it's just you. Yeah. Um, and so I I I think that is is a, it's a it's a really interesting dynamic. <laughs> it really is. It, I mean, I feel the most strongest when I have like my crew with me, like yeah. as a DJ, like even if um, I got butterflies to to no end you know like if like you still get butterflies oh absolutely do you 100 percent. really it's what fuels the fire okay uh yeah i there's 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 not one okay the only uh, the gigs that i don't get nervous at those are problematic because <laughs> then something bad happens uh, whether it's a missed cue or just right. a, a flub or whatever uh, but it's usually, it, it doesn't matter if it's 85,000 people or 445 people. Uh, yeah. it, I get the same amount of fucking butterflies, always. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird because people are like, oh my God, you've been doing it for so long. How could you, yeah. how could you get nervous? I was like, it's the fuel, man. I got to, like, it's something about that fucking anxiety that like, I have to turn it into fuel mm -hmm. and it's not going to get the better. It's, it's this fight every time, but yeah. it's not a fight. It's more like a, um, it's more like a dance mm -hmm. of like, Oh no. And then, Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden you just get up there and you're like, fuck it all. Let's just go. You know, let's, I just, I'm just going to do what I can. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully it's good. <laughs> it, it is good, man. I, I've seen you and I, and I think, but I think that's the, um, you know, that's the mark of the professional is that uh, when you when that happens, you you go forward mm -hmm. instead Absolutely. of retreating. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing for me. Like, yeah. uh, um, I've never I've, I've even DJed at one point almost passing out from something that had happened and. I literally watched everything in front of me depixelate, you know what I mean? Where yeah. you just like, you just, it's fucked. And I didn't know what it was. And f even in that moment, I knew I wasn't gonna stop doing yeah. what I was doing. I was gonna try to continue. And luckily, snapped out of it and fucking, but it was like a head trip of some like, I don't know, I just got totally like overwhelmed with something, but it wasn't anything, it was actually like a physical thing and I just lost all that. But then I like even in that moment, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to stop. Mm -hmm. It was like, I sure hope this passes so I can continue. <laughs> and it sure did. Wow. So, yeah, it's a trip. That's interesting. And, you know, 
there's obviously a lot of talk about mental health mm-hmm. and among DJs, right? Yeah. Especially, you know, the, the ones that travel a lot where you're like isolated for long periods of time, you're sleep deprived, you're, yeah. you know, you're in this sort of alternate reality. Yep. And, and, and I wonder hearing you talk about the crew mm-hmm. and that, that support and that camaraderie, like if that's kind of the, the treatment or, or one treatment if you will, for, uh, yeah. for some of those issues. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, man. There's nothing more than whenever I would go on tour, I'd come back and just want to hang with Jay, Chalk, and Truly. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was just something about coming home. Yeah. And just like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, this, ah, this is the team. You know what I mean? This is, ah, let me recharge. Right. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to be able to go back out there and just like, yeah, be by yourself or just, you know, constantly running in and out of places, you know, and if, if it's just you by yourself, it's you doing everything, you know, mm-hmm. going back and forth. And then sure. it's like, you know, you're checking in, you get to the hotel, you're by yourself. And you're like, all right, I got five hours to kill before right. I go and do this set. What am I going to do? Sure. You know, and normally, as you know, people, uh, people oh, you should just go take a nap. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, right when I get to the city of where I'm playing, like, that's when the butterflies kick in. Yeah, so, yeah like, you're not going to. Yeah. No. <laughs> you think they're going to let me get a fucking nap in? Jesus Christ, they got work to do, too. Well, it's funny because I always think like, or, you know, I used to think like, well, you, you go, you know, you, you're on vacation, you go see the city, you yeah. go whatever. And then, um, you know, obviously talking to people that tour a lot, uh, that's hard too. Yeah. Right. That, you know, you're tired or you got shit on your mind or it's, it's not so simple necessarily just to go like be a tourist. Yeah, because it's, uh, I mean, uh, my first time ever seeing any of the world was on tour. So, uh, you know, seeing Eiffel Tower in Paris, you know, that was like, you know, cool thing. But it's like I had a time schedule. Yeah, sure. I couldn't just go hang out and be like, I had to be back at the venue by a certain time. Or just going to London and, you know, uh, and seeing Big Ben and just, you know, going to Camden and record shopping. Like, everything was fucking cool but it was a time limit like mm-hmm. i had to be back it wasn't no like when you go on vacation you're free of worry and you get to do whatever you want right. but yeah. I, I would get to see these really cool places but i was always on a timetable it's yeah. like i had a, had a schedule I had, okay i can go see this and then all right so i gotta be back for sound check at this point and then like okay so i got like maybe five hours to kind of cram all of this city into sure. one look and then go okay cool or if maybe we had a day off there you'd kind of get a chance to kind of maybe see a little more of it but at the same time like you're saying you're tired from working the night before or you, yeah or you may have a big show the next day and you're not trying to wear yourself out for you know it's all those things it, and uh and traveling it, it allows you to see all those fucking beautiful things somewhat at a price though when you're not yeah, sure. on vacation yeah um so before we get to the, i want to talk about the touring yeah and, and all that and um but uh, but back to the crew thing. So you, you and Chalk had Almighty Roughnecks. Yep. And then now you guys. So tell me about the decision to then create Fantastic Four with J-Rock and Truly Odd. Okay. So at the time we were, uh, <coughs> when Baker Boys, it w- the Baker Boys Friday Night Flavors thing wasn't so much uh, 
a lot of people think it was this easy thing that like, oh, Eric and Nick just handed us our sh the show and right. everything, but it was never that easy. If you remember, Funkmaster Flex was doing that time slot for a right. while, yeah. 12 to 2 or 3, I think it was. So um, at the time when the Baker Boys were deciding that they, were, they didn't want to do the whole, they were doing 10 to 2, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to kind of free up and do different things with Friday. They wanted it to be like the first two hours to be Baker Boys at the time they had J-Rock. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we would do the more underground stuff, you know, so they would do like the kind of more popular of the underground hip hop where right. we would come in at the end, yeah. at, you know, at 12 and we would be able to kind of play the street go shit deeper. and go yeah. deeper. Um, so when they decided to do that, we, it was at first it was the Radio Hit Squad, which was Chalk, myself, Fuzzy and mm -hmm. E-Man. And at the time, E-Man was in the running to become like he was on his way to become a music director and... Um, so when he was working that um, and Fuzzy was on his way to be doing Big Boy's morning show and stuff, it came a time where, um, you know, we and Chalk were still going to do Friday Night Flavors, but Fuzzy and E had to go mm -hmm. do some other stuff. So we were like, and then the Baker Boys were leaving at that time. Uh, so we decided to just like, we were like, okay, if we can do this, who would we want? And we were like, J-Rock. And then like, truly came and then it was like all right well we should just let's do this mm -hmm. and then um and then from i think it was september i think it was september 98 or maybe august I don't know, we became that's when we became the fantastic four and mm. that's where it became um yeah the crew that's where the and was there ever any like <sighs> what am i trying to ask like what does that mean was there a a plan like was there a um you know how conscious were you about deciding like i'm gonna partner with these guys and this is what we're gonna go do together i don't think it was as like um it was conscious in the sense is that we wanted to like we wanted to be we wanted to have a crew thing for the show yeah um about how, how'd you know it was those guys i don't okay um, I remember when we first moved, me and Chuck moved to LA together after when we became right. part of Power 106. Uh, and I remember it was Jay and, uh, Jay would, you know, when, when Chuck was first, you know, starting to hang with the beat junkies before, you know, we all were, mm -hmm. but, but like he was, you know, what would lead to him becoming a member. Um, it would be J-Rock coming over to the crib and then, uh, Akil who, uh, from CA, Chronic mm -hmm. Avengers, um, and they would come over and kick it, and it was all good and stuff, and great. You know, we actually became really good, you know, friends. Um, so Jay was around, and then Truly was around in another aspect. So, I don't know, I think, I, for me, I think it was literally just a conversation, like, sh should we do this, like, yeah. with Jay and Truly? And we were yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And then from that point, I, I, that was probably, yeah, one of the best decisions we ever made. Well, it's people that you respected their work, right? Yeah, and absolutely. that's kind of the absolutely. foundation. Yeah, we have a, um, I didn't know Jay as much when we first did the Fantastic. We knew each other, but like it, it, that dynamic ended up being probably one of the greatest because, um, you know, me and Jay ended up becoming the 
the music of the show, where it's like Jay and True, uh, Chalk and Truly were the hosts, right? Who would occasionally do mm -hmm. uh, sets and stuff, and, and and Truly did do a lot of sets at times, um, but it was like me and Jay would be like. Where they were the they were the hosts, we were the music that would be, you know. So it's like we started like really kind of like um, working together. Is like, what are you playing in your set? You know, right. what, you know. So we just all right. So if you're gonna play, I gotta play. You know, and then yeah, and that just became a really like f fruitful thing I think for us as a crew because we were able to like really try to. I, I think once we became that crew, we really started to take it serious. Right. Uh, it wasn't just like, hey, let's go hang out and be on the radio. It was like, sure, we're really trying to make our, uh, a mark as far as like what we can do mm -hmm. and present the world, or at least L.A., with our uh, suggestions of underground hip hop. You know, I just want to remind people, like, because I know, you know, a lot of our listeners were there mm -hmm. and you know, just remembering Friday Night Flavors, remembering like how important those mix shows were. Wow, yeah. Um, you know, especially Power 106, but really all over the country. True. Right, that that we um, we were just fiending for hip hop. Yeah. And couldn't get enough of it. Mm -mm. And like, and you couldn't get it. You know, like you said, before six o'clock, yep. you know, obviously LA is a little more progressive than most cities as far as, but even then I remember when Power, uh, I think it was Beat First, right, decided, okay, now we're done with hip-hop. We're going to go back to R&B. Yeah. Um, I forget when, what year that was, but, but, you know, that was a big thing, right? Yeah. And so for fans, like, you know, you look forward all week to those shows yeah. to discover, you know, I had Stretch and Bobito on the show and talking about that in New York, right? Yeah, but people man. would use those to discover you know, this music that we were dying for. Yeah, it was a trip, man. Like, um, you know, it, like the day, you know, when I tried to tell people that like, you know, about day parts, you know, like, yeah. which is like radio terminology is like when you day part a song, you only allow it to be played in a certain area, right. a certain, in a certain uh, time frame of the schedule. So back then rap was looked at Back in you know in the early in the 1900s, uh, <laughs> rap was looked at as like a kind of a tr like a trouble music. It was like it was, sure. it was you know it was uh, mischievous. It was uh, up to no good as far as you know the the people at top. So they would only play rap songs from six 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 p.m. to six a.m. Right, and that's the only time you would be able to hear like any of these songs. And then you would kind of start to notice, like little bit, little like, when a song broke out, you would start hearing it, maybe four o'clock or yeah. anything, you know. So we had this thing of we all, you know, we always wanted more. And I think when we came to power, and the first time I heard "Get It Together," BC Boys and Q-Tip, mm -hmm. at two o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, "What the fuck? What?" Right. One two, one two, keep it on. Listen to the shit because we keep it till dawn. Listen to the ass track, got it going on. This is great. Like this yeah. is like I, w I want to hear this. I want to hear this song at two o'clock and four o'clock and seven a.m. And you know, like I mean, it, you know, it's so interesting. We kind of forget. Like radio is in, in the business of ratings and advertising. Yeah, right. And so they had, you know, it's. I mean, it sounds so ancient to be talking about this, right? But like they had this music on the one hand that the streets was dying for. Yep. And then on the other hand, you know, they had their 
way that they had been doing business for decades, yeah. which is to program songs in and out that weren't going to piss anybody off, weren't going <laughs> to, you know, yeah. weren't going to uh, yeah. piss off advertisers, first of all, mm -hmm. right? And, or the parents or whatever. Right. And, yeah. you know, they had, um, you know, they had a tough job yeah. for a minute. Absolutely. To kind of figure that out, and and you know, I think the folks at Power did it better than most, but yeah. but not without challenges. I'm sure. Yeah, um, that uh, I remember uh, one of the craziest things that like I kind of understood the branding of radio, mm. like being because when when you're DJing in it, like for me, like like I. I knew I was part of Friday Night Flavors and I knew it was fantastic for it, but also I knew that the, the radio station was branding itself as, you know, uh, home of uh, uh, home of hip hop and R&B or yeah. blazing the most hip hop R&B. Right? right. So, um, or, you know, playing real hip hop. They were, that was the, you know, the branding, the branding. I remember yeah. one time I was playing a gig and I was playing, um, it, was at, it, was, it was over at the Viper Room and, uh, I was playing Wu-Tang Ain't Nothing to Fuck With for a night I did, right? And some girl comes up to me, and she's like, hey. And I was like, what's up? And she's like, I was wondering if you could play a song. And I was like, well, well she goes, well, actually, I just wonder if you could play some, like, real hip-hop. And I was like, ooh, okay. Like, you know, because I'm thinking to myself, Wu-Tang's in the back. Sure. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, what, what do you want to hear? You know, yeah. real hip-hop. Real hip she's like, you know, like J-Lo and Ja Rule. And I was like, she's like, you know, real hip hop. And I was like, nice. And it fucking threw me back. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, I was like, uh, yeah, not today. And then I just DJed with that thought in my head for the rest of the night of like, mm -hmm. they think this, that is real hip hop because we've right. been blasting. You told them it was. We've been told, we've been, you know, we've been telling them that this is real hip hop and R&B and we're yeah. blazing the most of it. And I was like, Holy shit! Sure, that was mind fuck. That was a bit. That's when I understood the the branding of of, of radio. And Amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about something else that you yes. were early to recognize. So, uh, so you were the first person. You know, we were up at Power one day, mm. and you were the first person to, to talk to me about rock. Mm. Um, and I forget if it was if it was corn or what exactly we were talking about but you know you put me up on this this idea that rock and rap were coming together yeah and it was a it was a trip man like when when i got involved with corn um you know corn is from bakersfield as well i learned that uh last night watching your interview with jonathan oh yeah i, I had no idea yeah and jonathan see like in jonathan we knew because he was the dj back in the day yeah and uh, he was known as the white boy that could fuck it up amongst everyone in our in our crew. And but he was also like, you know, he's down with the new romantic shit and like. Mm -hmm. But he but he could fuck up. It takes two. His doubles on it takes two were fucking clean. And I'm probably bet they they still are. And then um. So uh, growing up with you know I knew that they were around, but I didn't really pay attention because also coming up in Bakersfield, we were very segregated in our sense of music. Like sure. it wasn't like, um, you know, clicks, it was all the clicks. So it was right. like you had the mod, you know, the, the goth clicks and, you know, and then you had the jock clicks and then you had the hip hop clicks and you had the metal clicks and then you had, you know, so, um, and 
for hip hop, I remember everyone was so fucking, you had to be all hip hop yeah, or, yeah. you know, it was yeah. like a thing. So you couldn't tell your friends if you were like really digging the Violator record from Depeche Mode, you know what I mean? Like, so it was kind of the thing we had to like kind of keep in, I, I had to keep in secrecy because yeah. uh, a lot of my hip hop friends would give me shit, you know? Um, but um, as I kind of, a friend of one of my really good friends who I grew up with, uh, two of them at Kip and Jeffy, they were like, man, you got to come see this corn show. They're like, you're, you're, you're going to trip out because it's, there's some hip hop in there, but you know, it's, mm -hmm. but it's metal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. And, um, and I kind of, you know, I was like, ah, whatever. And then finally one day they were doing their second album release party for Life is Peachy. And they did some, uh, show out in like, it was like, yeah, it was Riverside. And they opened with Black Sheep's, um, the first song on that record. Woke up! And that was, you know, a hip-hop cover. And I was like, holy shit! Huh? And then they were also, like, you know, they looked kind of not metal. They were dressed a little more in Adidas tracksuits. And, and I was like, okay. And then I got a chance to, like, hang with them. And then we, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I hear you on the radio, you know. So then we just started talking music and mm -hmm. then realizing that a lot of, from what that, what a lot of their music, what came from back then was hip hop, but they channeled it into a whole other thing. Right. And so we, I started like seeing that and, you know, and then actually talking music with these guys. Like I was like, oh, you guys know all the same, like, oh, oh shit, cool. And then it just, I just started kind of just gravitating towards that. And then I started also getting into the music that they're playing and then the style of music that had, you know, that and Deftones. And, mm -hmm. and then um, I kind of started like getting it. And then and just hearing how they were able to fuse both hip hop and rock together for their music, yeah, I was like, I'm sure. You know, I don't know. I just kind of started like thinking in my head. I was like, oh, I'm sure like maybe I could blend mm -hmm. something or maybe I can go from one thing, you know, and it was just kind of curiosity that kind of led me to that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the first songs I ever played. Um, yeah, I think it was one of the first I think the first rock song I ever played on power as part of a. I think it was Everlong Foo Fighters in like 98. Wow. Uh, and uh, and then after that, I really started going like, okay, like I can play one. Like I used to get like, sure. I used to get, I used to get shit from, you know, E-Man or, um, you know, hey, I heard, you know, but then Jimmy Steele kind of saw where it was going and I saw where my sets were and he was like, um, and he and I had got uh, I had gotten word from a friend of mine at K Rock that like they were getting ready to do this like rock and hip hop show. Oh wow! And so Fred Durst is supposed to host it. Mm -hmm. And then I told uh, my boss I was like, I was like, hey man, K Rock's getting ready to do this thing, you know whatever. And he's like, I just saw him just like wheels turn. He goes, you want to do a show? I was like, yeah. He goes, when you want to do it? I was like, next week. He's like, fuck it, let's go. Nice. And so Channel Zero, Mass Distortion, whatever the three names of that, all got birthed off that. 
And then at that point, I was like, oh, it's time to go. And then I brought in Homicide from Sugar Ray mm -hmm. and Lethal from Limp Bizkit. Yeah. And then that was that. That was the, that's what started the rock shit. I mean, it's interesting, you know, again, it's, it's so weird to think about now where our relationship to genres is so different mm -hmm. today. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, I mean, that was, you know, it was pretty much unheard of. And, yeah. um, and, and I, I really think, you know, so the, the rock rap, you know, you mentioned Limp Bizkit, it, like it kind of flamed out pretty quickly in the sense, I mean, yes and no. I know that there's still people yeah. doing their thing, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, I think it, if you look at it, it like blew up massive. Yeah. Corn, Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park. Yeah. Became some of the biggest bands in the world. True. Um, and then that era kind of ended for the most part. Yeah. Right. In terms of it's like pop appeal. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think like it also sent our culture in a different direction. True. Right. And so I think we wouldn't be we we wouldn't have a Post Malone oh, had yeah. it not been okay. for, for that. OK. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that opened the door. I think, first of all, that plus Eminem really opened the door to white people thinking they could rap. Yes. Um, that's, that's, absolutely. Yeah. And, and fans being okay with that. Yeah. Right. He really kind of broke down the that barrier of. Yeah, but also, so did Corn. Yeah. Right? And so did so did Sugar Ray. Yeah. You know, having a black DJ in their group, um, which that never happened. Yeah. Right. It was, it was a trip, man, because. I'll say that like a lot of things that I've, I've uh, one of the things that I really kind of noticed from being in that is that like, I noticed that it wasn't just white people into rock. Right. Like I had a lot more friends that could come to me and tell me, oh, I love this shit. I love, you know, like it, it really kind of like even, you know, some of my friends that were into metal that were just like, oh yeah, you know, the, yeah. I listen to this, but I also listen to this, you know, and it really kind of opened me up to like, it's not just like we have to be really into hip hop right. or we have to just be, you know, like the, or the house dudes have to just be into house. It was kind of like, it really, I started to see this like kind of opening of. Well, that's what I think we've learned about ourselves through this crazy shit that's happened in, in music and culture the last 20 years. Right. Yeah. Is that, you know, I, you know, for me, I had that experience early on. Right. So, you know, I went to a school where we discovered, you know, Sugar Sugar Hill Gang, you know, real time. Yeah. And I remember in 1980, so I was in the fifth grade, all the cholos that I used to hang out with became metal fans. Yeah. You know, Judas Priest, uh, you know, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, you know, first generation of metal. Yeah. Like they all got into that. Yep. And I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how it happened, but, but that was a thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. My, my friends older, like when I was in sixth grade, my friends, older brothers yeah. were, uh, lending me Metallica tapes, Fastway, Crocus. Yep. Yep. Uh, I was learning metal through them, through my friends, older brothers who would just like, knew I was like a music head. Sure. And so I would, you know like trade tapes for the day or the couple days or a week. All right. You know, like, and I would go home and listen to this shit. And I'd be like, Oh my God, this is rad, but this is so, you know, but it was, yeah. I was never getting, I was never getting it from the white kid down the street. Right. It was like, these are like, 
you know, some cholos and some gangbangers right, right, right. are like, yeah, check this shit out. And I'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, shit. So it was never, you know, it was never like an introduction. It was always like I was finding out about cool music from but everyone in the hood. But I think the real difference is that we were, until recently, we were still in this world that's controlled by radio. Oh, okay. And radio is format driven. Yes, right? it is. And they, I don't know if anyone's figured it out now, but, but you know, at least, you know, for a hundred years or however long they've been playing music over the airwaves, it's been about the format. Yes. First. Yes. And you um, go to that station for that format. Absolutely. Right? And, th and those people, you know, have a certain lens of looking at the world. Yes. That they think, you know, white kids of a certain age want to hear this music and black kids of a certain age want to hear this other music and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And to some extent they're right and to some extent they're wrong and mm -hmm. to some extent we as listeners had no choice because that's how you got music yeah but sure. now we have all these choices and and we see kind of what's happened yeah it's a trip like to be able to like um yeah the radio was the only place to get a certain song and you would sure. call and request and yeah you know that Absolutely. was the, that was you know do you remember do you remember the first song you ever requested i never requested this you never called to a station and we we're like no. with the tape Fucking on record, ready. The to one time I called a station before I worked in music, um, uh, I was in the fifth grade. I was graduating in the fifth grade, and uh, uh, KSOL in uh, San Francisco was having a contest to win tickets to a disco. Okay. And I called and won. And I asked my parents to take me. And now I can't remember the name of the disco. It was out in the East Bay. Wow. And uh, I and I asked him for my graduation from elementary school to take me to a disco because I was so you know I was into funk and soul and yeah, like that was, that's tight. that was my whole life and uh, so they took they got a bunch of friends you know I was the only kid I don't know how this disco let me in <laughs> but it was like a bunch of adults in there in there you know must have been late twenties no like early thirties wow. and a ten year old and we went to disco and there was there was uh, we walked in there was roller disco. Nice. And um, and then on the other side was a proper disco. And and actually, that's cool. And and the messed up thing is, I spent most of the time in the arcade, that was also in the disco. <laughs> and then I went and danced a little bit. And nice. you know, I, I remember Burn Rubber on Me, playing that night. Fuck yeah. um, and it was a time of my life. Yeah, uh, funky man. town. It was like that kind of thing. Oh hell yeah, Lifts Incorporated, man. That was one of the. Yeah, I remember. That was one of the first records I bought. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that was like, for sure. That record, man. But that's the only time I've called a station, and it's not going to get any better than that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You won a contest. I never won the contest. But I, I did call to request a song and it got played like oh that's cool like thirty minutes later and uh, that's funny and I was what was the song Raspberry Beret Prince nice and the Revolution uh, it just came out and uh, and I remember I was like can you please play like, <laughs> you know and of course you know uh, you know come in radio and and music industry we know we now know that like every song there's a schedule for the hour sure so. Um, you know, back then, I'm not sure in the 80s how exactly that schedule, how lenient they were about that schedule or whatever. But I know it's like if certain songs don't get played in an hour, they get moved over right. to the next hour. Um, and so knowing 
I don't know if it was on the schedule or not, but uh -huh. that DJ made me the happiest little dude ever <laughs> when he played that because I had my cassette ready to record. Nice. And I got the whole drum break and everything, and it was just like, and I remember I just would listen to that song over and over again. I got like most of it before the fade or whatever, before the that's station cool. letters came in and shit. Yeah. But that was the f one. Yeah, that was like. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that was the first one I actually sat in, in, in acting, but I had requested a song before that, which was The Message. But yeah, The Message seems to be always yeah, in sure. my head. Sure. <laughs> if you're enjoying this one, let's go back into Rebel Radio archives, check out my interview with Mr. Chalk, who was uh, C-Minus' partner for many years. Um, he's also uh, part of the Beat Junkies crew and involved with the Beat Junkies Institute of Sound. Another great DJ, another great interview. So when you, so you started DJing for Corn? Yeah, that was a trip. Uh, and so was there? I know we're talking about this where like you know you're sort of these, these guys are breaking these boundaries. Mm -hmm. Did, was there any backlash? At the time, no, uh, because what? it was, I think it was, it was exciting. Yeah. There wasn't, uh, Corn never, I mean, Corn never got as much backlash as Limp Biscuit did. Sure. Uh, you know, because uh, a lot of people really gravitated towards hating on Fred because hey. Fred can be hateable. He's I corny. Guess. Uh, and Corn, um, yeah, I never really saw any backlash. I'm more wondering about like among DJs, among the sort of no hip hop everyone, community that that you are part of. Everyone was pretty supportive of me doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I was. Everyone knew, I guess, what my where my heart laid as far as hip hop. Yeah. And so a lot of the first gigs that I did with Corn on that Family Values tour, I was playing hip hop shit. Right. And, um, and kids were up for that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. was doing, I was playing everything from like Portishead, Rage Against the Machine. At the, you know, I was funny. At, I started playing Rage at the end of the set before Corn went on, and then Corn, uh, the guys, they were like, "Hey, can you not play the Rage because you're wearing them out before we go on stage?" Because yeah. everyone was starting. Yeah, I was yeah. really building this fucking. I mean, vibe. I forgot about Rage. I was like, <laughs> I mean, massive, right? Yeah, it was like huge. And so I was, you know, the the reason I went out with Corn is because when they did the Family Values Tour, they wanted to keep the party going in between all these crazy acts. So it was Orgy, yeah. Limp Biscuit, Ice Cube, Rammstein, and Corn. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole bit of the tour. Crazy. So they wanted the vibes to be like totally cool. You know, they wanted a party. They wanted this whole thing yeah, to sure. be fucking unforgettable from beginning to end. And so when... um quick story of like how I became involved with them uh as I was hanging out with them and I was I was also morning I'm no, not morning I was producer for the Baker Boys afternoon show on power so they had this dude there that was working production and he was like supposedly this like martial arts guy or whatever so and he used to you know I can do whatever and so one day I was working and he went to shake my hand and he pulled my thumb out of socket oh shit and then tried to put it back in oh. because he, he was like, he was like, oh, check it. And then he did it and then it just dangled. Oh. And so I was like, motherfucker. And I was like, yo, and this is at work. Like I'm in, this is like 3.30, no, maybe four. This is right before drive time mix. And so I was like, motherfucker. 
Uh, and I went and I showed uh, Eric and Nick, they're like, yo, and I, so luckily St. Joseph's is right around the way. So went over there, did it, and they popped it back, but then they were, the doctor's like, you can't use your hand for three months. Oh my God. And I was like, I'm a DJ, this is like, man, I work, you know, like, and he's like, I'm gonna have to put you on workers' comp, you can't, you gotta let this thing heal, otherwise you're fucked. You care about your livelihood and your job, don't do shit. Alright, cool. So. Here I am, I get excused from work for three months, and I'm fucking sitting, I just don't know what to do with myself. And then Fieldy calls me, and he's like, ah, what are you doing, man? I was like, ah, oh, just sitting here smoking weed. He goes, well, if you want to come smoke weed at the studio, we're starting our first day for a new record. Oh, okay, cool. record being their third record which would also be titled follow the leader which was mm -hmm. a big breakthrough record so i was like all right cool so i started going over there every day and i watched them record this record and steve thompson and toby wright were producing toby wright was really kind of infatuated with because he also recorded the last allison chains record with lane staley mm. and that was a big record for me so i was always sure. trying to like find like you know, he would just tell me these crazy Allison Chain stories about recording nice. vocals from the hospital bed for Lane and oh, shit. Oh, wow. And then Steve Thompson also produced Injustice for All for Metallica. And so he, I, you know, I was, you know, he was giving me insights and sort of shit like that. So I got to like hang and watch them record this thing. And then at the end of it, they were coming up with the idea for, they were like, hey, we got this tour. Do you want to come out and DJ for us? And I was like, yeah. So that started that. And then on the Family Values Tour, I would have these five, I would do a different set before each of these mm -hmm. guys went on. And then, um, so I was always throwing hip hop in there and, you know, Portishead and just, right. uh, I was always throwing all these really kind of always like rugged, rough hip hop shit in these sets. So I never got any backlash from anybody saying that you're not, you're not doing hip hop or you're not doing uh -huh. this because yeah. I was always... It's still very rooted in me. Like I love the rough, rugged, and raw shit. Like, yeah. and if I have a chance to play it anywhere, even as a, like a like a wow, why did he play that? I'll still do it. But I never got any backlash from anyone. I don't, look, I I think for the most part, DJs are, are music lovers. Right? Absolutely. And even though, and this is one thing. So, first of all, everyone should watch your interview with Jonathan on uh, <laughs> on Be Real TV. It was it was amazing. Like, huh. you know, I like corn, but I, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a fan i don't know that much about them okay um you know and and watching you so you guys go record shopping yeah in the show right and you yeah. talk about different records and how they've impacted either one of you or yeah whatever and you know what i've found it amazing because there is no way that um you would expect the guy who was in that store to make the music that he did with corn right. based on his yeah. his taste and his knowledge and, yeah. and right and you know he's talking about blowfly he's talking about earth wind and fire he's talking yeah. about all this stuff that um it seemed like the the music he knew least about was metal yeah i mean like even when i asked him the black sabbath thing i was yeah. like what was your favorite he's like i just he's all i never got into him like right. you know like he didn't get into metal when until he started doing the corn thing which is amazing right and that's so um that's so interesting just thinking about how we're influenced and inspired by different things, right? Yeah. That we, it's, it's so easy to assume 
that if you DJ hip hop for a living, that that's all you listen to. Yeah. Or, sure. you know, I remember, you know, I think I've told this story, but when I was managing Dub C, one time after a show, we got in his car to drive home together and he had the wave on. Nice. Which is, you know, instrumental, kind of smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. And yeah. I was like, that is the last music I would expect Dub C, the gangster rapper, to be listening to. Oh, yeah. But for him, it was a way to unplug from, you know, his, his, you know, all the shit that he was immersed in. Yeah. And just, just chill, right? Yeah, man. Um, and it's, but I'm always surprised by it. I'm like always caught off guard uh, when that happens. Like, uh, I call them palate cleansers. Yeah. Yeah, like after doing so much of so many different uh, genres, there's things that I will listen to to totally fucking just clean the palate and um and it's a trip working at it you know like being a dj and also being exposed you know they constantly flipping through records and there might be that one record that you go huh this looks like it's uh interesting and i should probably buy it and listen to it because sure i don't know why but i'm just gonna you know yeah and then you take it home and it ends up being one of the most you know cherished things of your collection because something just you know and it's not maybe a record you might normally buy you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. how i got turned on to stereo lab was being in a record store and it was not something i would normally buy but a friend of mine that was in that ended up being my roommate for years um he was like man you gotta listen to this shit this shit's crazy and i was like what do you mean he's like, oh, it's fucking beautiful just listen to it and i bought it and then i was just like i sat in my room and i listened to it and i was like what the fuck is this but I was really like enjoying it. And I was really like, they're singing in French. I don't know French. Right. And I'm just like, but I'm just, and the timings are weird. And it's just like, and I'm fascinated, truly, honestly fascinated. And I'd continue. And I was like, okay. Then after that, I was like, hey, what else you got in that? You know, what, yeah. shoot, shoot me to the most fucking craziest thing that I might dig similar to this because. I'm going to need this later. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to play it, but I'm going to need it. And I really started to kind of understand like how um, music affected me in that sense of like finding something to, to hold on to amongst all the other shit that could fucking help me scrape off any of the residue from any of the things over the last week or two to be able to wake up the next day and go, ha. Ah, now let's let's take that on so how do you do that now when when there's so much music and everything's digital and you're you're not i mean i'm i imagine you probably still go to record stores yeah. from time to time but but i also you know you're probably discovering a lot of music oh yeah just from the thumbnail or the file absolutely sometimes with no image yeah uh i i kind of just i'll listen to like if i have if i need to just totally detox off everything and just uh, you know, Stereo Lab is definitely still my palate cleanser. Or I go to like, um, I'll go to like rock bands that are like really, like there's a band out of Philly. Um, called nothing that I really I go to all the time mm. um, and another band out of the bay called were uh, Nick Bassett 
uh, is by far one of my favorite songwriters in the last like fucking like seven, eight years. Mm. Um, and these songs, like even though they're he- like, you know, nothing and, and, um, and where they're heavy, they, they're heavy. But um, with BPM sometimes in the 70s to 80s and it's very, eth- you know, ethereal and like and it's very dreamy. I can't really play it anywhere, right? But it's for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's something I put on for me, and I'm like, ah, oh. and I can literally feel the music fucking cleanse from the top to the bottom. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, so, and sometimes it's uh, Coltrane, and sometimes it's Monk, and sometimes it's Prince, and sometimes it's, um, sometimes it's Zeppelin, and sometimes it's uh, Dylan, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's uh herbie hancock and sometimes yeah it just uh sometimes it's a kiss record from the 80s it's it's it can you know it's usually wherever i'm at i'll go the exact 180 to try to like yeah (sighs) flush myself out a bit yeah what about you do you still do do you do you do you have anything that like you go to like a go-to, like when you've been listening, because I know you still listen to a lot of music. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there something you just like at the time, you're just like, all right, it's got, I, I need to restart, like I need to restart and just. Um, I don't know if it's like that because I'm not as inundated probably with music mm-hmm. as, as you are. Um, I think there's, you know, what I will say when, I, when I'm writing or when I need to be creative and think like it's almost always either instrumental jazz, cool. you know, Miles, Coltrane, yeah. um, uh, you know, Freddie Hubbard, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Sonny Rollins. Dope. Um, or sometimes funk. Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, I'll go to war or um, these records that I just know so well that I've heard so many times, you know, Gap Band, yeah. stuff like that, that it's like, it's, because, um, you know, lyrics can be distracting, right? Like, yeah. I, I like to work or think with music on. Yeah, me too. But the lyrics can kind of get in the way of that. Yeah. Right, because they, they interrupt your thought process. But I, sometimes if I just know the song that well, then it doesn't do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, Sade. Yeah. Like, Sade is cleansing music. Oh, yeah. Me. For sure. That's if I'm trying to fucking, like, that's if, when I put her on, usually it's Love Deluxe. That album, front mm. to back, is, like, perfect. Yeah. But there's, like, it's almost like if I put that record on, I almost want the feeling of floating nowhere. Yeah. Floating in the in the abyss of nothing. You know what I mean? For sure. And, uh, and yeah, she can definitely transport me there. That's the, that's the cool shit. Yeah. You know? Just, yeah, absolutely. You know, just like, ah, oh, when I hear fucking, you know, kisses kiss of life and uh-huh. it's the biggest hug from someone you've never known but feels right that's great that's a great way to put it the other thing i do that that's not exactly the answer to your question but you know i wake up most days with a song playing in my head a a different different song and sometimes sometimes it's a song i hate 
Sometimes it's a song I love. Sometimes yeah. it's one I don't, you know, it's just there for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, so what I've started doing, and I, I find if I don't play it, then it stays with me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's I, interesting. So okay. I play it. Right. And uh, and then and what I've started doing is adding those songs to a playlist. So Ooh. I have a playlist of all the songs that I wake up thinking about. And it's just kind of a fun exercise to kind of collect those. I have a game that I play with uh, certain friends where we do our best to to leave the most unfavorable music melody or lyric in your head to stick with you the whole day. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up, but it's great because uh, it's usually uh, at work. Ever at Beerus, it's Ezone uh, uh, co-host who I do High and Hungry with. Yeah. And, uh, but he sings semisonic closing time because so yeah. and so like every time he does that it's like i sing that song for the rest of my day subtly in my head so at that point i usually you know i'll i'll i'll, I'll rebut with you know i get knocked down <laughs> then i get up again and i never gonna you know and it's That's funny. terrible <laughs> it's <laughs> so, it's funny man so my my son is in school of rock he's 10. oh cool Hell yeah. he plays guitar and um and so I have to hear the songs that he's rehearsing, mm -hmm. you know, over and over. And some of them are just, his last show was, uh, the theme was 90s rock, which which was generally a terrible genre for the most part. <laughs> I don't know, um, man. There's some really, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this keep... was like a lot of, like, this was Weezer and Matchbox 20 and like, Matchbox there were, 20, there were yeah. a couple good songs in there, oh, but, but most of it was just really awful. And I had to hear them like dozens of times because... He's working on him, so um, so that's when you definitely need a cleanser. Yeah, right. Anything. See, are you not a Weezer fan? I'm not. Really? I, it, you know what? It, Weezer's one of those bands. Like, you ever meet someone who never really knew about hip hop? Yeah. Like, I'm always amazed when I meet those people that are sort of our age group, and yeah. they're just like for whatever reason they were doing something else at that time. Yeah. And they're not even that aware of it. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like Weezer, I just missed it. Okay. I never, I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious of Weezer. And so uh, more okay. recently, and so I don't hate them. You're just not. It just doesn't do anything. Right. It doesn't mean anything to me. When, um, when I toured with, we, uh, we did a Foozer tour, which was Foo Fighters <laughs> Weezer tour. That's funny. And, um. And I actually got a chance, like, to hang with Rivers and Weezer Cats for a minute. And that dude is, like, you know when you meet someone, you just know they got some that thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? You just feel, you can feel it yeah. without them even. Rivers has that thing. And um, whenever we were doing this bowling, we were going to do this bowling. It was going to be Foo Fighters versus the Weezer crew. And we were all the band members and everyone was present. And we went to this fucking bowling alley. I forgot. It's somewhere in the Midwest. We were just fucking, I want to say Indianapolis or somewhere there. And, um, and, I, um, and I missed the Foos bus going over there. And so when I went to the lobby, I saw uh, Rivers and, and Pat and all these the guys from Weezer. And so... They're like, yeah, ride with us. I was like, oh shit, okay, this is my. Ch I get to finally fucking talk to Rivers and fucking nice. ask him. Like, I've always wanted to ask him some crazy questions, music yeah, shit. Yeah. 
And so like, you know, I end up sitting right like I'm I'm sitting middle. I'm sitting bitch in the cab. And there's fucking Rivers and then there's Scott next to me, the bass player, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like now's a better time than any that's. Hey sure. man, uh Rivers, so what are you listening to right now? And he goes, Billboard Top 200. <laughs> and I said, "Oh." I said, uh, well, you listen to the Billboard Top 200? He goes, every song that's on the Billboard Top 200, I listen to. And I was like, okay, wow. And uh, I was like, well, okay, so what hip-hop are you into? He goes, whatever's on the Billboard Top 200. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you really? I go, you really listen to Tony? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm, he goes, I'm studying song structure. And then I found out later that he, when he went to uh, Harvard, um, or was it Princeton, one of the super prestigious schools, he is looking for the formula of the perfect song. Right. So he has dissected every single Nirvana song, every single, and he made these charts and he made all this crazy, like wow. he was really looking for the formula of the perfect song. Mm. And just like stand, like sitting next to him for like a 10 minute, you know, 15, I was just like, and then he kind of opened up a little bit and we started talking. And then I was just like, holy shit, that dude's, that dude's, he's got it. Whatever that shit is, he's, Interesting. he's got it. And it was funny, like, cause like he just coming back from, uh, they were, they were just getting on their stride again from doing, mm -hmm. um, and he was really, they were really not into playing Pinkerton, which is their second record, which is a darker record for them. But I got to see them open, like, and their fans were like, oh, you should play Pinkerton. I was hearing people, oh, I'll play Pinkerton, you know, right, play right. shit. And throughout that tour, they slowly introduced Pinkerton songs onto the tour. And then mm. at the end of the tour, it was just fucking raging. It was fucking great. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, man. Um, all right, I got to do a lightning round. All right, let's do it. Uh, Sorry, we, I, there's so much. To no, do. no, you, you got so many great stories, man. We can do this over and over. I yeah, we can, yeah, there's, there's, man, there's so many fucking, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, because we just talked about the corn part. We didn't talk about the, uh, about the Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to have to come back. I will. Um, which favorite city to travel to? New York City. Or, I mean, Paris. I stayed in Paris for a few months. And oh, that was nice! Fun. Hell yeah! That was like uh, that was amazing. That was I, 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 I still plan on going back to to hang there for a little bit at one point. You know? I'm gonna have you back and just give give us lessons about what to do in Paris. Yeah, I mean, dude, that. when I was there, I was so I, I was I loved it there. Yeah, it, I loved the the you know I loved that I could eat bread and drink wine and walk around all day and lose weight. <laughs> that's incredible yeah there's something there's something special about that there's something special about that i mean i haven't had a drink in years but yeah it's been, right who's it. your favorite dj oh fuck i really have to think about this it's a three-way it's a three-way tie between uh mr chalk truly auto j rock uh anytime i watch any of those three um it, it's uh, it's inspiring, and yeah. I'm not just saying that for my crew, just sure. for my crew, but I literally get inspired. You know, it's uh, it makes me want to go home and do better nice. because 
that's my crew. Yeah. And if they can, I can. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, ah, that's cool. Yeah. What's the last great book you read? Uh, what is it? Bukowski. I'm still reading it. It's, uh, the rooming mar- uh, marginals, I think. Uh, all right, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, um so yeah, that was, I just okay. I finally found that and I was like, cause I've been looking for this passage from this one book and I couldn't find it, but yeah, I found it. What movie have you seen the most in your life? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, from a kid until now or just sure. uh probably empire strikes back okay that's one uh i go to a lot as back I mean, but uh, i mean i think that's probably the best of the series it's and, but it's i loved about it because it was like everything and then it left you hanging on a dark note yeah you know what i mean sure. like I love that shit. Yeah. Or uh, or Almost Famous. Oh, okay. Almost Famous was really kind of... It's a great movie. I looked at that as a little bit of an autobiographical uh, thing for me because I somehow out of nowhere was like... I mean, when you really look at like my journey, it's a trip to think that hip-hop took me to mm-hmm. a place of touring with these rock bands who ended up being legendary or just yeah. like meeting people of just like... You just think to yourself, oh, my God, I'm never going to. Sure. Um, and so that to me, like how that kid ended up going on tour with his favorite band, you know, with a band and then yeah, finding all the. Absolutely. And then you see all the things that happen on, you know, I was just like, holy shit, here I am. There's a movie there for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I used to watch that a lot and be like, oh, my God, this is like I felt a parallel similar nice. to that. Amazing. Um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one quality or ability what would it be speak fluent spanish absolutely i didn't i didn't want to learn it i mean being mexican uh it was always you either knew it or you didn't you couldn't really learn you Mm -hmm. know Uh, and so we looked at it my my age generation looked at if you didn't know it then just you need to know it right uh, or uh, it would either be fluent Spanish or the uh, super math knowledge. Mm. I really wish I would have paid attention. If someone would have told me in school, in grade school, that music was um, dependent on math mm-hmm. and that math plays a big part in music, I sure. would have paid attention so much more. Well, yeah, it's funny that, like, I mean, that's, we can go off topic on that, but but there's there's a whole bunch of areas where math is you yeah. know in sports in music right there's all this stuff that's just math yeah and uh and the way it's taught in schools is terrible it takes out it takes all the fun out yeah i mean i never got i never gravitated towards it because it there was no element of to ring me in you know what i mean right. and if yeah, some sure. and if someone would have told me hey, you could use, you're going to need math when you go into music, you know, for right. bars and counts and stuff like, mm-hmm. uh, I would have fucking paid attention and probably aced it. For sure. Because music had that thing where I was like, oh, if I need this to get in the, <laughs> sign me up, let's yeah, go. I, I want to do all the things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's the last thing you stole? <sighs> uh... 
Last thing, I, st I stole my lighter back from B-Real. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah. Uh, he seems like a guy that would steal your lighter. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he, uh, he, uh, he, you know, for a minute there, I remember I was bringing, like, I'd have a pocket full of lighters, and I'd leave with not one. I'd be like. Right. <laughs> now, the last thing I stole, ah, oh, fuck, man. Ooh, like, of, like, big, like. Doesn't matter. I think the lighter is a fine answer. That's, okay, sure. That's good. Um, okay, and if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Fuck. <laughs> Dude, for real? Um, uh, you'd probably hear me say killer, dude. Um, sure. Fuck. All right, let's go. Uh, yeah, I mean, that'd probably be, that's pretty much my, my vernacular. No, that, I mean, that kind of sums up my perception of you anyway. It's like, you, you know, you're down with <laughs> Or be like, fuck, really? All right, well, let's give it a shot. That's great. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Dude, C-minus, thanks for doing Dude, this, Josh, man. thank you for having me, man. I'm fucking, I, li I like it here. I loved uh, talking with you like I always have. Yeah, man, I did. I, so, I, mean, I just remember, like, meeting you, and then I remember everything. Like, I just, I, I really, I do. I, I'm super stoked that we're both still here. Yeah. And doing shit that's still music-related and still, like, I mean, this life in music isn't easy, you know, especially there's many places to bounce. Sure. Bad Absolutely. and good, you yeah. know. Uh, but it's, and man, when you called me and you were like, yeah, you know, and I've, I've, I've known you've been doing this for a while, man. I just, I'm really stoked that uh, we're both still here and able to have this conversation and uh, Dope. and hopefully have many more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's definitely have you back. Yeah. Um, how does everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on the socials, uh, the social medias at C minus fan four, C M I N U S F A N four. Uh, a lot of people used to think that uh, that I was being like, uh, oh, that my handle was for fan four C minus, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm an asshole, but I'm not that much of an asshole. That's like I was like, it's abbreviation for Fantastic Four, yeah. and Mr. Chalk has it for his too. Right. Um, it was just a better abbreviation than Almighty Roughnecks. You know, there was I couldn't do a cool abrivs sure. a, a of uh, of uh, that. But you could also find me on Be Real TV. I do uh, host the Dr. Green Thumb Show with Be Real, E Zone, um, and DJ Nels and Lenny and um, you got to shout out Ray Raz, dude. Uh, but yeah, Be Real TV. I got a, sh a show called In High Fidelity where I interview a lot of my uh rock friends and we go to record stores and just fucking vibe out and just ner music nerd out um Love it. and coming up we have uh bobo is going to be on the next one and then shabo from system of a down nice um and then as well that's so the first season is going to be like more of my rock friends the second season is going to be the dj homies oh cool and then the third season is going to be music producers both rock and hip-hop nice um and I look forward to like yeah, so doing that. And I also do High and Hungry, where I get really stoned and go to uh, restaurants and, and review movie, uh, review uh, foods. Nice. And uh, and that that's fun. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, and then DJing Motown on Monday, uh, shortstop every Monday. Not, I'm I'm there every other Monday. We have five of us. Shout out to Expo, Mona, Jedi, Fatrick. Um, and Slowpoke, and I'm sure there's some other shit I'm doing, I'm not really remembering.
Well, we'll be watching. All right. So, Sounds good. Bro. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was C minus on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Um, you can always leave us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Hit us up on Twitter. It's at Rebel Radio Net. Facebook, same thing. You can find videos of a lot of our episodes on our YouTube channel, Rebel Radio Net. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.